The Mind Spo Podcast. What do you see with your mind's eye? Welcome back. Let's elevate. Roll your shoulders up and back. Unclench your jaw. Elongate your spine as you take a deep breath in. And now, exhale. Now take your mind to that person, place, or thing that you have gratitude for and start to feel into the joy available to you at all times. Elevate into a higher vibration as we expand together and dive into this conversation. Welcome to the Mindspoke Podcast. I'm your host, Rochelle Fox, and today you are in for a treat because I'm joined with the one and only Sarah from She Sees the Stars. Now, Sarah is an artist, a writer, an intuitive astrologer, and a spiritual teacher based in Bali. Sarah has a talent for blending tangible spiritual tools and psychology-based principles into her work. She's practical, spiritual, and magical, all at the same time. You can think of Sarah as a vessel for the cosmos. She's here to guide you through the process of seeking a deeper meaning and truth to life. And today I am so excited for her to guide you through Astrology 101. In this conversation, we literally talk about it all. Sarah demystifies astrology. We talk about eclipse season. We untangle what to do and what not to do during something like Mercury retrograde. She explains the elements of each star sign, when to manifest with the lunar cycles, and how you can use astrology to better understand yourself and your purpose here on Earth, and so, so, so much more. I know you're going to get a lot out of today's conversation, and I'm so grateful to be able to bring Sarah's wisdom to you. And I wanted to mention one thing before we dive in. Having guests like Sarah on this podcast is made possible through you and your support. So if today's episode or this podcast has brought you some value, it would mean the world if you just took a moment to rate this podcast five stars wherever you're listening. And then just leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts or on our Facebook page. This way, we can continue to attract amazing guests as we grow. With all that said, let's dive in and download some of Sarah's wisdom. So I am here joined with She Sees the Stars, Sarah for Astrology 101. But before we kick things off, I would have just given you a big rap about being an astrologer. But other than that, I want to give you a big rap about being an incredible friend. Oh, likewise. So I know we're going to talk about astrology today and we're just going to get into like your wisdom in that realm, but we're not our jobs. We are souls having a human experience. And as a human and as a soul, you're just a a beautiful person and you've been such a big part of my journey here in Bali and in life to me and my partner's soul. And you're one of my first friends in Bali when I moved here. I have goosebumps. That is so beautiful. And I'm so honored to be here. And I really treasure our friendship with both of you. And it's so precious when we find these souls that are aligned and on a similar mission. And I know we were friends in past lives. I'm just so sure. (laughs) We always say that. I am so stoked to have you here. So you have been such a, a guide in my life and just trying to figure this life, soul, earth, school kind of situation out. And when it comes to astrology, you're just a powerhouse. And 
I want to ask, like when I first heard about astrology, so if I was to come up to you and I was to say, what's your job? And you said you were an astrologer. Around 10 years ago, I would have gone, cool. So you write horoscopes, (laughs) but (laughs) astrology is so much more than that. It is so much more than the horoscope that we get on a Sunday in the, you know, the telegraph or something like that. So what is astrology? What is your job? What do you do? Just explain it from your perspective. That's such a beautiful question. And I have been on the receiving end of that question 10 years ago and seen people's eyes glaze over because astrology is an ancient science. And as fun as horoscopes can be, that's more of an entertainment, fun, kind of knickknacky astrology, but it kind of gives astrology a bad reputation because astrology is actually this ancient wisdom that was utilized and has been utilized for centuries. And really it's following the patterns of the cosmos and it's woo-woo on one hand, absolutely. It's very big picture perspective. We're zooming out and looking at these different cosmic archetypes, but actually it's also very practical and very scientific because with astrology, We are studying and tracking the movements of the planets and looking at what happens on Earth, what energy comes up, what themes come up when different planets are in different constellations. And the ancients figured out that when the moon is here, we feel this way, or when Saturn's here, there's a pandemic, or when the sun's in Leo, there's this fiery, passionate energy in the sky. So they actually started to in a grounded, practical way, study the habits of the cosmos. So us as astrologers now, we can predict certain themes because we're looking at the history of what happened last time. So it is woo-woo, but it's also actually quite scientific and kind of practical when you study the actual trends of what happens energetically when these planets are interacting in a certain way. Wow. So I feel like most people's first taste of astrology is their star sign. Yes. So I'm a Libra. Yes. You're a Libra. Yes, we are. We are Libra sisters for life. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's one of the many reasons we get along. Very Um, true. But- It's so much more than just your star sign, isn't it? So we have, you know, I was born in October, which makes me a Libra, but then we have a moon sign, a sun sign, right? Like what even is that? So I often feel like people discover that they're not just their star sign and it's like, hang on a second, I thought I was a Libra. Why are you also saying that I am a Taurus, something or other? Like what even is that? Yeah. So when we look up at the sky, there's a lot going on, right? And the sun is a big part of what's going on because everything in our solar system is circulating around our sun. So wherever the sun is, it's going to have an influence when you're born. And it's kind of like, imagine that the planets are just like us, just like humans. They have different characteristics. So the sun is very bright, obviously. It's very hot. The moon is much smaller. It's more melancholic. Venus is considered to be a very feminine energy. Mars is considered to be a very masculine energy. And when we look back into mythology, astrology and mythology are super linked up. So Venus is Aphrodite. She's the goddess energy. And Mars is that kind of warrior-like spirit. So when we look at somebody's birth chart, We can see how do they express their feminine? Where's Venus? Is Venus in a fire sign? Is this person, you know, very driven and and fiery and passionate? Or is Venus in a water sign? Are they very intuitive and introverted? 
So that's their feminine expression. Their masculine expression could be maybe diminished. Maybe it's in a, in a sign where Mars doesn't want to be, or maybe it's an Aries and their masculine expression is super hyped up in this lifetime. So of course, the sun sign is a big part of somebody's, what we could consider to be their identity, their personality in astrology. We have so many facets. We are like a diamond. We're multifaceted. And when you look at a birth chart, you can kind of combine those facets. And I think it's actually important for us to look at our birth chart because your sun might be in Libra, but you might have nine planets in Aries. So if that was the case, you're not going to really identify so much with your Libra placement because there's so much gravity in Aries for you. So when you look at the birth chart as a whole, you start to see the full spectrum of the diamond with all its different facets. And a birth chart is essentially, so all of us have a birth chart, right? So we're born and you find your birth chart, my understanding, by finding the exact minute you were born. Yes. (laughs) We still do not know the exact minute I was born. I know. I'll never forget. So sad. When you told me that I had to figure this out, I sent a message to my dad and to my mom and I sent them both the same message. They both took around a week to respond. And I got what was a very guilted response from both of them. My dad, (laughs) and I know my dad's like, my dad's like there, like typing out on the phone letter by letter. And it was this really beautiful response from my dad that was, Rochelle, you know, it was one of the most important moments of my life. (laughs) But it was, you know, quite a while ago now. So please forgive me if I don't remember. If I wasn't watching the time, I know. (laughs) And my mother's response was like, you know, birth is very like traumatic, you know, (laughs) how am I meant to remember? My father had this guilt, but talk to me, why is the exact time so important? Yeah. So we are constantly moving, right? Like we are not just sitting on earth. Earth is moving. Earth is flying through and it's turning. As we are traveling on this blue spaceship, we are actually moving and we're spinning. So someone who's born at 8 a.m. and then someone who's born at 8 p.m. from that spinning of the earth, the sky is going to look very different because we're moving all the time. So we need your birth time so that we can kind of pinpoint when you were born, when you came out into this world, what was the imprint of the sky at that minute when you came when you came along? But someone who's born 12 hours later, the earth's tilted, it's changed. So the skyscape is completely different. So it's like a photograph, essentially, if you were photographing the yes. stars when you were born, yeah. and then you're mapping that photograph Correct. to figure out different elements exactly, of a person. Exactly, exactly. And I, I guess the way you described it, and let me know if this resonates, to me, when you are always talk to me about planets, I feel like it's like the planets have personalities. Yes, they do. They are. They have their own personalities. They have their own vibe. It's kind of like these people in the the stars. They have archetypes, and that's why mythology is essentially the archetype. So Venus is the goddess. Mars is the god of war. Saturn is very much around like karma and tough love. So Saturn, wherever Saturn is in your birth chart, is going to show you where you have challenges and difficulties. So you're right. They do have these different personalities, and that's how we can see someone's karmic journey on this lifetime is kind of look at where's Saturn? Like, where's your challenge? Where's Venus? Where's things lucky and beautiful for you? Where's the moon? How do you process your emotions? And it is like a jigsaw puzzle. We put all the pieces together to get that final overall image. And there's no two that are the same. There's no two birth charts that are the same. 
because we also take into account, of course, the birth time, but the birth date and the birth location. For someone to be born in that exact location with those exact coordinates at that exact time is pretty much impossible unless it's twins with a C-section and you know, then their lives would be very aligned. They would go through similar, similar journeys. Yeah. So would you say that our lives are written in the stars? Like what's your interpretation of that? Cause I'm being really transparent. When I first met you, I remember I even chickened out of our first reading <laughs> because I'm a, I'm such a big believer. One of my core foundations have always been like, I create my own reality. You create your own reality. And I remember I had this fear and I think that that's something that I feel like a lot of people can relate to this fear of astrology and you have cleared that up for me in such a big way and kind of dropped that like that that fear that I had but for someone that's kind of you know in that like I don't I don't how how do how do I feel about this how would you describe that how do you kind of make peace with that a great question so first point I want to make is that the universe is always working for you Mm. it's never trying to punish you It's not ever trying to hurt you. It's always working towards the evolution of your soul. So it's all about evolving your soul's evolution. And in astrology, we believe in reincarnation. So we believe that we come here to earth school to work through these different karmic lessons. And astrology can showcase to you what your karmic lessons are. So it can show you your comfort zones, maybe where you keep yourself stuck It can show you your gifts and your blessings in this lifetime, your talents. It can determine what you look like. It can determine your likelihood and your tendencies of how you want to express yourself in this lifetime. So if you learn about your personal astrology, essentially you're getting an extremely heavy dose of self-awareness. What you choose to do with that is your free will. So if you have self-awareness around acknowledging your traumas, acknowledging your addictions, acknowledging your comfort zone, and you are aware of your tendency that that's kind of your default setting, you can work with that in this lifetime to transcend that and alchemize that. And if we don't have self-awareness, we can kind of fumble through life unconsciously and we feel like a victim and we're kind of just feeling like we have no power and the external world is just pummeling us with all of these different events. But if you understand, I'm here to learn independence or I'm here to learn love, I'm here to learn compassion, then you will see those external events as part of your soul's evolution to alchemize that, to choose again, to be aware of your tendencies and call yourself higher. I think a, a great example of that is we're both Libras, right? Yes, so we, we, are. we relate on a lot of that. And something that you've really taught me about being a Libra is I used to feel guilty for my love of aesthetics. I yeah. used to, when I first got into this personal growth world, it was kind of like, you need to stop caring about what things look like. And I was even in this like kind of force field of criticizing myself for caring about the aesthetics of things, caring about the beauty of things. But you've really taught me through our friendship that that's just part of like my soul's DNA. Like that's who I am as a person. Like I'm going to set up the, if you're watching this on shorts or, you know, video, you'll see that there's crystals around, you know, (laughs) we're matching in our our, our yin yang setting. That's, that's something that I I love so much. And, um, I'm allowed to express that and you've kind of given me permission to express that. But similarly, do you feel like if someone gets like 
for example, someone that's Libra and they said that you're indecisive or someone that's Leo and it's like, oh, you're meant to be front stage, a show, like a, you know, maybe people call you a show off. Like, how do you navigate those, I guess, stereotypes yeah. within astrology? Like, how do you kind of, is it that that's who you are or it's just like part of, you know, what you can accept yourself to be? Yeah. So the world would be a very boring place if we were all the same. So right? true. And for us to grow as a soul, for us to evolve, we actually have to have contrast. We can't grow without contrast. So we need these fire signs to showcase passion and we need those air signs to intellectualize things. And we need earth signs to ground us and to keep our feet here. And we need water signs to show us emotion and sensitivity. And each sign has a beautiful kind of higher expression and also a lower shadow archetype. So for example, Libra is ruled by Venus. Venus is very feminine. So for you to want to make your space beautiful and aesthetic, that's actually one of your gifts. And it's also soothing for you and soothing for the people around you. That's your sole expression is to celebrate the beauties of life. And I think beauty can be very healing. I am a Libra, so we relate on that. (laughs) But someone who is let's say more of a Sagittarius, they might not be so focused on the aesthetics, but they want to travel the world and they want to talk about philosophy and help expand our minds. So actually we all need each other to pitch in to the recipe of humanity and put our ingredients in. So one of the beauties of astrology is it can help eradicate judgment because it can be so easy to point the finger and say that person's, you know, so airy fairy or this person's so inflexible, but actually they are living out their blueprint. They are contributing their part of the recipe to society. And so if we can accept these different soul expressions, it can help soften judgment. And I've been able to forgive people and accept people a lot more when I understand their default blueprint. Can You can sort of see, well, this person is very impulsive because they have 12 planets in Aries yeah. or... I recently became friends with a lot of Aries and I really, yeah. I love their impulsiveness, but I'm not used to it. <laughs> it's our opposite sign. Yes. So Aries and Libra, complete opposites. So yep. we can learn a lot from them and they can learn a lot from us, mm. but we can trigger each other. Yeah. So interesting. And yeah. I feel like we can also kind of really balance each other out. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Classic example, one of my um, other closest friends, Megan Rose Lane, is yes, an Aries and she's like, a fire, like a, a fire powerhouse. Right? I love yes. her, but it's so interesting because I feel like we work so well together and we complement each other so well because of that energy. Dream team. Yeah. I mean, it is covering the full spectrum. Libra and Aries are opposite. Pisces and Virgo are opposite. Like if we can bring in both extremes of the energy field, it does make a beautiful balance. I feel like the thing that I really love about astrology that you've kind of taught me is that how it can help people make sense of other people, like you yeah. said. Yeah. And I n- never forget when you did Soul's reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Gemini. <laughs> the Gemini and the Sag, right? So um, much. And so Soul's a Gemini, so I, I date multiple personalities at once. You um, do. And all he's of- got like five planets in Gemini. Like he's a, yes. he's a very multifaceted diamond. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't I know it? Um, and all of my friends and his closest friends, like I have like five closest friends that are Gemini's and I'm just like, I am forever collecting Gemini memes and just like <laughs> absolutely giving them shit all I the time. I love them too. I love them too. But um, I think what's so interesting is I remember you told Sol after you did the reading, he's like, Ooh, you don't have any earth in your chart. Mm-hmm. I was like, that explains a lot. <laughs> yes. It makes a lot of sense. I don't have any fire in my chart. Uh. So When I was young, I was extremely submissive and very shy, actually. And again, this is a beautiful way to work with astrology because for soul, 
if he understands there's no earth or for anyone, if we're missing an element, we can consciously try to cultivate more of that energy. And then we, by default, have more balance in our life. So talk to me about elements. So for anyone that's like listening, like elements, I thought we were talking about stars and then there's personalities. So there are, there's earth. Yes. It's avatar vibes. Yeah. Earth is like the material world. So Earth people, they like to cultivate practicality. They want to build a house. They want to build an empire. They they enjoy money. They enjoy the 3D material world, and there shouldn't be any shame around that for them. And what are some Earth signs? Earth signs are Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. Ooh, nice. So they, in the real world, they have their feet on the ground. So they can be very good for us to, Virgo's like, come on, we've got to be on time. Let's be organized. I need a higher Virgo for the podcast. I love Virgos because <laughs> I need them too. You've told me before, you're like, Rochelle, you need a Virgo. Yeah. I'm like, can I can I hire via star signs? <laughs> you can, if they are so efficient. Capricorn tends to be uh, the empire builders, that is like the patriarchal energy. They want to build an empire. They're reliable. They're responsible. They mature very early. So they're mature for their age. Taurus is also ruled by Venus, like Libra. So they appreciate the beauty of the material world. They love money. They love sensuality. They enjoy luxury environments and it's the senses. So they love taste, touch, like the physical senses. It's very Taurus, very sensual energy. The fire signs are Leo, Sagittarius, and Aries. These are passionate people. They're assertive. Sagittarius people, they, they want to teach, they want to learn, they want to travel. And they actually are ruled by Jupiter, so they tend to see life as the glass half full. Uh, Aries is fiery. It's the first sign of the zodiac, so they are like the first one out of the gate. They are impulsive. They are fast-moving. They are sexual. They're ruled by Mars, quite masculine-driven energy, but we love that. And Leo is all about expression. It's the sun. So Leo people are often in theater, acting. They want to shine. They want to be seen. And that's their their archetype for this life. But if someone has one planet in Leo and then like six planets in Cancer, they often might not associate with their their Leo sun because Cancer is more introverted. So this is why we put it all together. The water signs are all around the feminine. It's very spiritual, very intuitive, very emotional, just like water. It wants to flow, so it tends to want to express emotionally. So the water signs are Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio. So they are very, very deep. In the fields. In the fields. Yeah. yeah, in the fields. And then the air signs are Gemini, Libra, and... Who am I forgetting? Aquarius. Aquarius. Yeah. I always thought Aquarius was uh, water, and then I've, yeah. I've been corrected many times. The symbolism with Aquarius is um, is like this woman, the star card in the tarot. Mm-hmm. So there's water in the symbolism, which can confuse people in the tarot. In Aquarius, it's like a lightning bolt. So they tend to think big picture. They're often humanitarians. They can be great with forward thinking, futuristic thinking. Technology. Yeah. Bingo. As we found out, Manifesty. Yes, my it's app. an Aquarius. Yes. Guys, if you ever look at Manifesty on the app store, I'll never forget I sent Sarah a WhatsApp message because we were like, oh, I was like, it's Manifesty's birthday. And, you're, and then you were like, oh, Manifesty is an Aquarius. And then <laughs> I went and looked at Manifesty's logo. Literally, I created Manifesty's logo as a wave sort of like that infinite wave with the star like breaking down like quantum kind of leaps and then you're like Rochelle it's literally the Aquarius, <laughs> Aquarius symbol. symbol with a star you were channeling <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah and so that's Aquarius and then how about uh Libras what, what are we like tell, tell so me we're an air sign so the air signs tend to 
be big picture, just like the air. So air signs are like the bird on the wire. They tend to look out at things from a bigger perspective, from above. So Libra is connected to justice. We can see both sides of most situations. We like peace. We love peace. And we can usually empathize with the other side of the coin. So a lot of Libra people are interested in beauty, but then they also often will get into law, justice. Look at Kim Kardashian. She's like the exact archetype of that. She's She's such a Libra. Yeah, like selling makeup at the same time studying law. That's Libra. Aquarius is, again, connected to the future. So often Aquarius people feel like they come from the future. They often feel like they don't belong because they are ruled by Uranus, which is a unique and different energy, but they're here to sort of show us a new age way of doing things. And Gemini is the sign of communication. So they are really strong communicators. They can be very funny, very sarcastic. Russell Brand is a Gemini. So they often have a great sense of humor and they're usually multi-talented. There's a lot, hey. There's a lot to take in. But just to simplify, fire signs are masculine, assertive, and driven. Water signs are feminine, emotional, and intuitive. Air signs are intellectual and live in the mind, big picture thinking. And earth signs are in reality here in the 3D world. Amazing. Yeah. So there's so much to unpack with astrology. And something that I, I love about you is you're not just an astrologer. I really feel you're... Do I want to call you like a, a, a human instruction guide? I don't know if that's sexy enough, <laughs> but you really, <laughs> I like that. You, you really do help people make sense of life and like earth school, as you call it. And I feel like you're such a, a calming and grounded person to be around. And something that you wrote on your Instagram that I was like, oh, we have to talk about this is you said that your favorite part of astrology is that your birth chart shows trauma. And that is, firstly, it just goes to show what the kind of person you are to say that's your favorite part of astrology because you're, you know, tuned in, tapped in, you've been through some shit in your life and that's why you do the work that you do and it's why I do the work that I do as well. And I want to understand that. Like, what is, what do you mean by that? And how can we learn about trauma through our birth chart? So your birth chart indicates karma and karmic lessons and there's certain placements that we can pinpoint for that specifically. So we can look at where Pluto is, where the South Node is, etc. And I don't want to get too esoteric, but when you dive into the birth chart and you can see your past life and the themes of that and what you're here to transcend, it can first of all make you feel very seen and very validated in your experience, meaning so often as human beings, we live with a lot of shame. We live with a lot of guilt. We feel like, did I do something wrong? You know, did mom and dad do something wrong? We feel like something is wrong, but actually everything is divinely orchestrated for your soul's evolution. So nothing is wrong. You are literally here going through the motions to help you evolve. And, you know, when you go into that and you see the accuracy of astrology and you can see things like sexual abuse or, um, you know, anxiety or mental health stuff, it can really validate for you that you're not actually doing anything wrong. You are going through the motions of your blueprint and we can't erase those placements. We can't rewrite it, but it can be very validating to know that this is part of something that your soul designed to help you transcend and integrate and essentially evolve. So when you see your trauma in your astrology, 
the accuracy of that can be very profound because it's extremely accurate. So initially people feel very, very seen. I know that's how I felt was like very seen on a deep level. And then through that, you can start to work with the self-awareness of your karma to, to alchemize the challenges that are written in the stars. So again, back to your question of, you know, is your destiny written in the stars? Certain themes of your life, yes, they are. But how you choose to navigate those is completely up to you. And so you have free will on how you want to drive the vehicle. And it's so profoundly healing. Wow. Talk to me about like your understanding of victim mentality and how we can use the stars to kind of step out of that victim mentality. And rather than feeling like a victim of our circumstances, become, you know, conscious, empowered creators of our reality. Coming from someone that definitely was in victim mentality for years. When I first started my healing journey, I, you know, really felt like a victim of all the things that had happened to me in my life. And I was in that poor me, look at me kind of, you know, mentality. And since then, I've really stepped into this creator role. And how can we use astrology to help us get out of that? Because I feel like the role of being the victim is it's something, one, that I feel validates a lot of people. A lot of people feel validated by that and they get energy from that. But in the long term, it's kind of like a short-term validation. It's a short-term friend that helps us for a little while, but it's not really there to, salt, like, to serve our evolution. Correct. So yeah, just talk to me about that because I feel like you have such a, a great understanding of that. So I'm a big believer in the universe is far more concerned with your evolution than it is your comfort. Oh, And the universe is not trying to keep you comfortable. And you didn't come here to earth school to be comfortable. You came here to grow and evolve. So many people choose to kind of, I guess, linger in that victim mentality, often subconsciously because it's familiar to them. And actually to transcend that belief system, it takes work which we both know is really worth it. But living from a belief system of I am a victim is only going to shine that out into your aura, into your external reality and be reflected back. And so the more we kind of emit that belief system, it's going to bounce back and validate that for us. When you look at your birth chart and you can see that your trauma was never going to be any other way, It was there. It's written. And you actually wrote that. You are a soul having a human experience and your soul chose to come through Mm -hmm. and literally wrote this. So not only is it written in the stars, but it was written in the stars by you. Chills. Yeah. I have chills. So when, if you can remember that when you walk through the journey of humanity and being a human being, then everything that is presented to you is an opportunity for you to call yourself higher. And of course, this takes work. It takes strength. It often takes people like yourself to support and guide and and mentor and, and hold the hand of us. But everything is energy. Everything is quantum. And negative experiences are not always bad. They feel uncomfortable, but they can be huge invitations to grow And if we stay in that unconscious loop of I'm a victim, we'll just continue to stay in that loop. If we look at our chart and go, okay, in this lifetime, I chose to go through codependency and heartbreak. This is here clearly in my chart. Then no longer do you feel like a victim. It's almost like an invitation to rewire your karma in this lifetime. Like why go through this a hundred more lifetimes? Let's do this now. And what happens when you walk that walk is you start to actually see how empowered you are because you get to choose how you're responding to life. And when you respond to life 
on your terms consciously, you're in the driver's seat, you're so empowered and you can rewrite your story. And as you start to do that and you start to see the manifestations come to life, you recognize this is real. You're a superpower. You're so empowered. And then you are creating your own reality and understanding that all these external events and themes are portals for you to walk through, but you are choosing the narrative in your head. Something that just came to me is the invitation to be the alchemist. Yeah. It is really just like the call to be the alchemist of whatever cars you've been dealt and just to be yes. the alchemist of that and to yeah. step into that empowered yeah. co-creator mentality. Yeah. Exactly. So, and yeah, I mean, that's it. And actually we are all alchemists, but a lot of people choose not to be. They want the yeah. comfort. They like the comfort of the familiarity and they're actually choosing to suffer. Speaking of discomfort, (laughs) I wanted to ask about Mercury retrograde. Um, Now, maybe I'm a little biased. I um, have a, as we know, a Gemini uh, fiance partner. And uh, as you have taught me, Gemini's ruling planet is Mercury or they have a lot of Mercury. So Gemini's kind of get hit with Mercury retrograde a little bit harder sometimes than other stars. But I feel like Mercury retrograde is something that is always trending in the meme world. You and I love a good meme. Love a meme. Love a meme. Love I know a meme. You should definitely go and stalk She Sees the Stars on Instagram. Sarah's Instagram is, it is not a meme world. It is an absolute art gallery of cosmic brilliance and Aww. incredible soulful words. Read her captions. Don't just look at the pretty pictures. There is so much depth to your gram. Thanks, babe. But um, you're, you're definitely, you, you love a meme, even if you're not posting love them. I mean, They're going up on your Instagram stories regularly. <laughs> and something that we see trending a lot, you know, every, you know, what, firstly, how often does Mercury retrograde happen? Why does it happen so freaking much? And um, I also want to know, like, should we be concerned about Mercury retrograde? Like, what does it mean? Someone told me recently that we should be manifesting during Mercury retrograde. I feel like I help me through this time and yeah. all our listeners through this time that comes up that is just, it sets the meme world on fire. And I'm like, wait, did I plan a product launch during this time? Should I, <laughs> should I pull my launch? Like, what is it? Tell me about it. So... This brings me back to the statement, the universe is always working for you. Okay. Always. We love you for that. Thank you. And it is true. But again, sometimes it's uncomfortable. So Mercury is the ruler of Gemini. It's also the ruler of Virgo. And Mercury is connected to kind of the day-to-day functional reality. So getting from A to B, communication. It's connected to communication. When Mercury is in retrograde, it usually happens three times a year appears like that Mercury is going backwards from where we are on Earth. It's actually not, but it's just the way that the planets are dancing. So all the planets are moving. Some are fast, some are slow. They go in different directions. They've all got their own kind of basically dance routine that they're doing. So three times a year, Mercury will change direction. And because the archetype of Mercury is connected to communication, it can mean that from our perspective here on Earth, the realms of communication are going backwards. So our technology devices can kind of break. We can have issues with communication between one another. Things just kind of go a bit tits up and it's uncomfortable. Tits up is a great explanation for some of my Mercury retrograde experiences. Tits up. Devices, tits up. Water dropped on the laptop. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Camera not working. It all happens. Um, So again, right, we can often go into that victim mentality and just get so frustrated What's connected to Mercury is our mental realms, so the realms of our mind. It's very mental energy, and in today's society, we live, in my opinion, too much 
in that space. So we're continuously overthinking. We often lose the present moment because we're so in our heads. Mercury retrograde is an invitation to actually come into more embodiment and to, I guess, detox or take a rest from all of that mental energy. So sometimes when things are going quote unquote tits up, it's because maybe you are spending a lot more time on your devices than your soul tribe wants you to be. And so sometimes the universe will create these external things so that you can actually go into your internal process. And because Mercury is going backwards, it often is connected to our past. So past lovers come up, Mm. we get DMs from our exes, we bump into people we haven't seen forever. But the universe is actually inviting you to go back to something unfinished. Uh, To do that tidying up. To do the tidying up. Often that does mean, yeah, you know, I haven't been doing yoga because I've been working 14 hours a day. Often it does mean, yeah, I need to have a conversation with that person from the past. So it's divinely orchestrated to kind of go back and revisit things. You can work with Mercury retrograde consciously. So you can actually utilize that time to maybe finish a project that wasn't finished or to maybe take a little bit of time away from the mental process and get into more meditation breath work. So we can work with these uh, transits consciously if we are aware of them. It's kind of like the way I'm sort of seeing it is it's like seasons, right? Like the universe has these seasons that are going on that are inviting us to kind of go through these kind of spring cleaning routines per se. And that is so interesting that, yes, and I definitely feel, um, that is a really great piece of awareness. Like I, three times a year, I a hundred percent need to kind of step away from like my devices and take a little bit of a break. So really love your interpretation of that. Do you have an opinion on manifesting during times of retrogrades or during times of eclipses? Like, is there any yeah. kind of magic to that? So life is magic. Yes. The cosmos are magic. I feel like if you ever read a book, it should be called Magic, Pray, Love, because you you have just such <laughs> a, or like, or stars, stars, <laughs> stars, prayer, love, because you, uh, we're not getting into your personal story today, but you have such a fascinating you know, personal story. But I want to just ask about like, yeah, like the eclipses and manifesting. Mm-hmm. We're avid manifestors here on the Mindspoke community. There's yes. like the soul fam, we're all about manifestation. So should I not manifest during eclipse? Should I not manifest during Mercury retrograde, like help me out. So they're all different. They all bring these different flavors. Mm -hmm. Mercury retrograde, because the focus of the mind goes to the past, it's actually not considered to be a lucky time to start something new because our mind is energetically stuck on a loop in the past or the universe is inviting you to go back to something that you've missed. So if we start something new on a Mercury retrograde, what can often happen is we miss something. Mm. And then when Mercury retrograde ends, we've we've got some things that we didn't quite see or we see things differently and we've changed our perspective in that time. With eclipses, what's happening is the Earth and the Sun and the Moon are all coming to an exact line and we have solar eclipses and lunar eclipses. But often when we have an eclipse, actually the Earth is is in the dark. And so here in Bali, Indonesia, they do a lot of protection ceremonies around that time. But if we're completely blocked from the sun, which is our life force, our God force, it's actually considered to be unlucky as well. So manifesting on eclipses, you're kind of playing with some shady energy. But manifesting on a new moon, 
Awesome. Go ahead. Do that. So yeah, let's talk about that. So I used to be an avid, so I thought full moon, witching hour, definitely the time to manifest, get out my crystals, do all the things that people... (laughs) That's so beautiful. (laughs) No, but I was such a... When I first got into manifesting, I was like, oh my God, that must be the, the best time. You sort of cleared that up for me. So full moon's not the best time to manifest. New moons, though, are the best time. Talk to me a little bit about that, just like the energy of those two seasons. and Yeah. So the lunar cycles are just so feminine. It's yeah. connected to us as women. So when we can tune into that, all our witchy magic can, can really alchemize. When we have a new moon, the moon is at the very beginning of its next cycle. So it's a time to plant seeds and it's a really powerful time to manifest. When we have a full moon, the moon is in its full illumination and it's the end of the cycle. So it's illuminating things in the shadows. So full moons actually usually are bringing light to our shadow. So often we feel kind of upset around a full moon or think emotions bubble up because the moon is like a big torch in the sky that's like, hey, you missed this little thing. And as women, we can be very psychic during a full moon because all of the things in the shadows are coming to light. But full moons are a time of releasing energy. So on a full moon, we sometimes, our energy will want to cry. We feel called to have this emotional release. It's more a time of culmination and endings and letting go. So it's a powerful time to do like a letting go ceremony. Yeah that new beginning it's those new seeds so new moons are really powerful times for manifestation wow love that i love that too and i wanted to ask there's two things specifically about a birth chart that i'm so interested in so you read birth charts as part of what you do yes but you do so much more than that but you do look at people's birth charts and give them an analysis and kind of break everything down for example, something that I find so fascinating about what you do is you don't just read a birth chart and it's like give them their kind of like soul's blueprint, but you also you also are able to look at what the stars are doing at a certain time. So this podcast launched at a very specific time and I actually consulted you. Did, wise woman. Because there is a quote that I love um, from JP Morgan back in the day, and maybe you've heard this one, but it is millionaires don't need astrologers, but billionaires do. Or millionaires don't use astrologers, but billionaires do. When I read that, I was like, well, I'm definitely going to be calling on Sarah more. (laughs) But you actually, you gave me something that you offer as a service, which is basically a a mini reading just to kind of check on what the stars were doing so I could launch this podcast at a very, um, what are we going to call it? A karmically good, aligned aligned time. time. So we launched this podcast in April on the 11th. Like, why, why did we do it at that time? Like, could you just explain how you do that? And if someone was wanting to launch a big project or yeah. do something yeah. like how they can use this, you know, system that is like kind of written for us in the stars to like utilize that for our advantage to empower us rather than disempower us. And that whole idea that, yeah, billionaires, the, we won't get into it, to it today. There's so much deeper we could go, but I think like the world elites, like the big picture people out there, they're using astrology to their advantage. Like, and you have such a wealth of knowledge of when things were done at certain times in the world based on astrology. Yeah, It's wild. But so why did we launch this podcast at this time? We looked at the stars, like just how did you do that? Explain that. Yeah. So if you were a swimmer and you're like, hey, Sarah, I want to go out and swim on Bondi Beach on this day. We can read the tides, right? Mm -hmm. So I could say to you, yeah, babe, like the surf is amazing. Go out today. Or there's a rip. You're going to go in the wrong direction. 
same thing with astrology. Love so, that analogy. Yeah. All of the planets are, they're moving and sometimes they're going backwards and sometimes they're going forwards. And sometimes the voices of the benefic lucky planets are louder and closer to earth. And sometimes they're further away and more of the challenging planets are closer. So for example, in 2020, we had Saturn and Pluto both considered to be challenging planets that bring difficult energy in a conjunction, which is very rare. It doesn't happen very often. Saturn is restriction. Pluto is trauma. Look at what happened for the world in 2020 when those two planets met each other. So that was a time where all the astrologers knew like this is going to be a gritty year. Some shit's going to go down. But we also have planets that bring beautiful energy and good graces and luck and blessings. And currently, right now, this year in 2023, up until May, all of the planets are moving forward. So there is, there's a good current to catch. If you're going to catch a wave, now is the time to jump in there and catch that wave because there's no riptides right now. Let's go surfing, baby. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then also currently, you know, Jupiter and Venus are really close together. So they are both positive energies. So when those two come together, there's a lot of beautiful energy in the air. Wow. So you can kind of use that to direct what people do and if it's a good time for them. One million percent. And when you start to learn about this stuff, it's so powerful for manifestation. Because let's say if you have Saturn in maybe your 10th house, so a certain part of your birth chart, that would be a really challenging time for career. It's harder to get an ease of flow. If you have Saturn in your seventh house of relationships, it can be a difficult time for relationships. But if you know that, then you're aware. So you can navigate those challenges and, again, not buy into a victim mentality. Maybe look at when Saturn comes out of that part of your birth chart and look at the positive archetypes of Saturn, which is maturity. So it's an invitation to mature, to step into more structure in that avenue of your life. So when you start to work with the different archetypes and learn where they are in your life, again, the victim mentality is eradicated because you can navigate that. It's like God literally hands you a GPS. So talking about Saturn, there's this thing called a Saturn return yes. in astrology. And this is a bit of a big deal. Huge I deal. I feel like it happens at a really interesting time. And when I learned about Saturn Returns, I was actually launching the Mindspo Mansion during wow, my Saturn Return. Okay. I was in that doing retreats, kind of really going all out. And you've really kind of made me understand what a Saturn Return is. But for everyone listening, like, what is a Saturn Return? Should we be scared of it? How long does it last for? Saturn is also one of these planets that it's kind of like, it's a not a scare. I don't want to say it's scary, but I'm like, it's a, it's a, it's a planet that has a, who mm -hmm. has a punch to it. So imagine you had like a grandfather that loved you so, so, so much, but was kind of like the strict, tough love grandfather. So it wants the best for you, but it's not like the fun, playful grandparent. It's like the strict parent that is like setting discipline and mm. setting maturity. Saturn takes approximately 30 years to go around the sun. So if you're born and you have Saturn in Pisces, you're about to have your Saturn return because Saturn's about to come back into Pisces for the first time in approximately 30 years. And Saturn, the archetype of Saturn is maturity and growing up. So when we have our Saturn return, it's kind of, it sounds a little cliche, but it is kind of like going from being a girl to being a woman. 
And then we have our second Saturn return around the age of 60. So we kind of are going into that next phase of becoming the wise woman. And often that's connected to retiring as well. So it's a big deal when we have a Saturn return. But Saturn returns are notoriously quite challenging because you do have to review everything in your life and look at, is this coming with me or not? Is this coming into the next chapter of my life or not? So during a Saturn uh, return, it can feel like a death and rebirth portal because we have to let go of things that aren't serving us. And if we're attached to those things, often the universe will remove them for us. And then it's it's really uncomfortable if we're not ready for that next level of evolution. Yeah, so it's often when someone moves countries. Sometimes it's when someone has a baby. Sometimes people get married, sometimes divorced. But it's usually big life themes coming up for review. And I wanted to ask as well, when it comes to astrology, we have like these 12 houses. So there are all these different houses within your birth chart that I understand. There's two things in the the chart that I want to get into. There's so much more we could talk about, but I specifically want to know about 12th house placements, which is the last house. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to understand about ascendance, but talk to me about the 12th house. Like, what is that? Yeah. So if you can imagine that your blueprint is like a wheel, it kind of almost looks like a pizza. That's the analogy that I use. So there's 12 different slices and the 12th slice of pizza is the final slice. So that's connected to the furthest house away from your physical body. The first house is your body. It's what you look like. It's your presentation. It's how you present yourself. The 12th house is really far away from that first house. So it's like the higher realms. Um, behind the scenes energy. So the 12th house can be connected to the subconscious mind. It can be connected to all things unseen and behind the scenes energy. So people who have a lot of planets in the 12th house, they are connected to the higher realms. They can be very spiritual, but you know, sometimes they need a lot of time on their own. They like to be behind the scenes. If we have challenging planets in the 12th house in our natal birth chart, we can deal with challenging archetypes of our subconscious mind. So that can be things like anxiety, uh, mental health disorders, which I believe everybody has to some degree, but depression, anxiety, often that will be a difficult planet in the 12th house, the house of the subconscious mind. Wow. And how about your ascendant? Yeah. So the ascendant is in the first house with, I use whole sign astrology. So with whole sign astrology, the ascendant is always in the first house and that is the house of the body. So the first house represents kind of the bread on the outside of the sandwich. So how you showcase yourself. I'm a Taurus ascendant. Taurus is very feminine. So I love to have long hair and I love to wear mascara and I love to wear jewelry But someone who is maybe more of an Aries ascendant, they might be very athletic. They often will have an athletic physique. A Cancer ascendant is usually that sort of maternal, very feminine, voluptuous shape. Gemini ascendants usually have fast metabolism and they like to change up their appearance because it's multifaceted. So the ascendant is connected to what you look like. Wow. So fascinating. Yeah. And I wanted to understand, so there are different, one thing that I feel I got tripped up on was there are different types of astrology. So there's like a Vedic astrology. Yes. And then there is also, is it Western astrology? Yes. Yeah. What's the difference there? Yeah. So I always find this question quite hard to answer. Okay. Fair enough. I totally understand. (laughs) It's kind of like when someone asks me the different types of meditation, I'm like, okay, they're both used, but it's nuanced. (laughs) It's true. Within Vedic astrology, there's multiple 
modalities you can use. Within Western astrology, there's multiple modalities that you can use. My first reading was actually Vedic, Uh and it was very accurate. And that's the Indian uh, system, and it's all in Sanskrit, and it's still very accurate. I often would sort of compare it to imagine I'm driving a Mercedes and you're driving an Audi. We're going to the same destination, but the journey is a little different on the inside. Essentially, they're giving a similar message, but the vehicle is just a little bit different. With Vedic astrology, usually the planets will bump back one sign. So rather than you being a Libra, you would be Virgo in Vedic astrology. But they work in a very different way. They have something called nakshatras. So rather than 12 signs, there's like, I think it's 24 or 27 different nakshatras. So they can get very specific. Like they can tell you if you've got a mole on your left bum cheek, like that's how specific they go. With Western astrology, it's still extremely accurate, but it is a different system. And Western astrology, uh, you know, I learned that one because I speak English and English is my first language. But I believe all of the systems can be accurate. It's just they're a different vehicle, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. It's quite hard to answer that question. No. Yeah. It was a a wild card that I was just thinking about recently. I was like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, So I wanted to ask if someone comes to you and they're wanting to just like kind of figure out what to do next in their life. Something I love about you is you never really give people definite answers. You just kind of give them like a kind of a vibe, right? And then they are empowered to like go from that point and make their own decisions. I think that's something that, you know, if someone was kind of confused between like an astrologer and like a fortune teller, like what's like the difference there? With all due respect, I think fortune telling can be quite dangerous. Yeah, I agree. Because there's multiple timelines and people can get sort of fixated on certain things and, you know, really stuck in their head. With astrology, we can forecast what themes are coming up. So we can forecast where Saturn is in their birth chart or where Pluto is or, you know, where Venus is going to be. So you can forecast times of strong fertility. You know, you can forecast time. You recently told me to be careful with yeah, my girl. fertility. Yeah. What, 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 what did I have recently? I think you had Venus maybe coming into your fifth house. Yeah. So, so like- <laughs> your line was you did a reading for us and you're like, guys, um, just because I know you're not necessarily trying, like maybe just be, I was like, what? My fertility? <laughs> We're not pumping out any babies. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can see things like that. So you can fortune tell and astrology, but again, I don't always believe that's actually of benefit to someone. Cause I think if, if you go to someone and you're like, tell me what's going to happen in, in my future, you can be disempowering yourself by putting your future in somebody else's hands. So I would sort of try to work with that client and look at maybe their blind spots and help them see those blind spots so that they are equipping themselves with all the tools to then work through the different transits that are unfolding in their birth chart. So for example, someone might come to me and say, when am I going to meet my husband? And I might be like, well, hey, just letting you know, your south node is in Libra in the seventh house and you're actually very codependent and you believe that your happiness exists in a Prince Charming that when you are in a relationship, it's also going to be hard. So that's not going to be your happy ending. So let's look at the codependency piece and let's look at why you're coming to me with urgency around that question. So we go straight to the seed of that being and their blind spots so that they can 
work on becoming whole rather than tell me what's going to happen because tell me what's going to happen is often coming from a place of fear. Yeah. Wow. So true. Hey. Yeah. It's like you're wanting someone to hand you the map, but instead you're going, okay, like here's the map, but here are also all the other options that you can go on. Or I could say like, well, here's the map, but here's your car with four flat tires. So why don't we deal with the car? You know, that that's a lot more constructive. And then all of a sudden that person can essentially go anywhere. And absolutely I can show them the map, but I would rather look at the four flat tires. Wow. Love that. Sarah, I adore you. This has been such a beautiful conversation. You are someone that doesn't just do like readings. You also are now running retreats. You have programs. Tell the audience a little bit about how they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can tap into your wealth of knowledge and get access to one of my friends in such a profound way. So what do you do? Tell us all about it. So, yeah, I believe in quantum healing through the cosmos and working with these different archetypes. So people can find me on Instagram with technology. It's not my strength, but I do have the one platform of Instagram and I also managed to get myself a website, which is a big deal. So it's fab. Go stalk it. They can find me on Instagram. And yeah, really, I run moon circles. We do a lot of alchemizing energy through through group work, through coming together and working with the energy. So I believe in energy work and and when you start working on your energy, um, you can become really powerful with manifestation, as you know. So yeah, I'm very passionate about that. Just very aligned with you. I think yeah. we have a similar a similar mission. I would also say to anyone listening, I think something that Sarah is you're very good at uh, feminine, feminine archetypes, that feminine energy. And I feel like you bring such a femininity to everything that you do. So when it comes to your retreats, like you are, you know, running retreats and it's always a Venus theme or it's like you work so much with this archetypal energy, like you're so into that and deep in that and allowing people to kind of express themselves through these archetypes, which I think is really powerful. Thank you, babe. And I think we've forgotten a lot of this. Like when we look back over the journey of of humans, that's how we used to live. We mm. were so aligned with mythology and the cycles of the moon and the archetypes and Venus and you know, we've, we've lost touch with a lot of that. And it's super important to me that we remember that magic and we continue to tune in and because it is magic. And, you know, you know, this, you're a powerful manifester. When you start to actually learn how to work with energy, you can create a pretty powerful life. So I want to help teach people how to do that. Amazing. Well, you've definitely helped me so much on my own path. So, so grateful to have you here. So grateful to be here. Thank you so much for the conversation. If you listened to this and you loved it, make sure you rate this episode and subscribe to us across all platforms. Leave us a review. Go and stalk Sarah. Go check out She Sees the Stars on Instagram. Go and read her captions as well as the pre-pictures because there is just a wealth of knowledge there and the way that you're able to articulate things is just so beautiful. So I love you so much and thank you for being here. I love you so much. You are amazing. I'm so grateful for this friendship and I'm so grateful to be the first guest. I just am so proud of you. Love you. You're amazing. All right. Love you, babe. Love you so much. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode. You can discover more from Mindspo on Instagram and TikTok by following at Mindspo and myself at Rochelle underscore Fox. If this episode inspired you, then please pass it on and share the love. 
And if you're new to our world and you want to elevate your mind and step into your best self, then be sure to download our app, Manifesty, from the App Store and take advantage of the free trial. With Manifesty, you can create your own vision board movies, practice powerful meditations, and set affirmation reminders so your phone supports your journey towards that abundant vision of your future. And lastly, always remember, you create your own reality. So go and make some magic.